You are Locked On Rangers, your daily Texas Rangers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. One ball, two strikes, two outs. Six to one, the Rangers lead in the top of the ninth. Feliz the high set. Here comes the pitch. Breaking ball, strike three call. The Rangers are going to the World Series. You are locked on to the Texas Rangers. I'm Bryce Patter, Rangers writer at WFA.com. Joined as always by Morgan Price of LoneShoreBall.com. Morgan, how you doing? Uh, well, you know, could be better. The Rangers lost. But we did get to see Beltre at the game, so I, I could be worse. That kind of made up for it a little bit. We did. And I love how they have... He was in the, the Scott Boris suite right behind home plate. And I love how, like, there's that little, like, the way the Angels stadium is set up, like, the... um. They have the, these suites that are like literally like ground level. So like yeah. you're kind of underground, but like your head just like kind of pops up like <laughs> like it's just like right over there. And so just getting to see Beltre there with his family. Um, that was kind of cool. Uh, Scott Boris, by the way, if you don't know, is is Beltre's agent and the agent of uh, a lot of, of big name players. And Adrian's living in L.A. So he figured he'd come out and, and see his buddies. But um, the Rangers did disappoint and did not end up getting the win today. I thought they were going to pull it out, but um, Rangers lose five to two in Anaheim. Um, and also, we we got the news that um, the the back issue that um, Pence was dealing with has landed him on the IL retroactive to I believe Friday, um, but it's retroactive to um, August twenty fourth. There we go with lower Saturday. back strain. Yeah, um, and IKF is recalled from Nashville. So that whole three-day drama or I guess it was like a four-day drama of, of him being sent down after he started to look better is is now over but you know who else is looking better Mike Miner he was absolutely cruising through basically six innings and then the yeah. seventh inning hit and um things got wild he gave up three walks he only struck out four but I think he kind of got hosed on two of those three walks in the sixth inning what about you yeah, the Upton walk was the one that like burned in my brain because it, it seemed like literally Upton, Mathis, Minor, like everyone thought it was a strikeout except the home plate ump, which it's like I could understand if like the catcher and the pitcher are the ones that think it's a strikeout, but the batter doesn't. But if the batter thinks it's a strikeout, I think it should just be called a strikeout. Yeah, I think so too. And the home plate umpire, um, Bruce Dreckman, who is not a name that I know, which probably means that he's a good ump, and he was really good for like most of this game. Yeah, that's like the one pitch I really have issue with. Um, if I want to get too honest with myself, uh, the the pitch to Pujols, I think was actually a little bit inside, but mm. like the pitch the pitch to Upton, he had been calling that it was like it, it was touching the plate uh, on an inside, I think fastball, um, and like it, that that pitch had been called like all night, and I literally saw it called to Mike Trout like the next time that Mike Trout was up, and I'm like. Yeah. Hmm. So Rafael Montero is getting the benefit of the doubt on on that call on like a one one count. But um, he throws it into uh, Mike Miner is not getting the benefit of the doubt. Like, I don't I don't see how how that works. And it's not like Justin Upton is some like extreme veteran that like. Right. Like gets all benefits of all doubts. But um, I understand why why Pujols would get it. But 
man, and he he got into a jam with with the bases loaded, and um, I really thought that he was gonna get out of it. Like I was so sure the way he was like just cr- cruising through this game, Mike Miner was. Um, and then that seventh inning hit, and everything seemed to go wild. So Otani singled, and then Upton walked, and then Pujols walked, um, and then then we got a, a pop out from Anderson Simmons on the first pitch, and I thought, oh, okay. I can kind of feel like the tide is turning. And then Cole Calhoun just looked absolutely silly on the first pitch that he saw. I think it was a slider, and he was waiting to ambush something on on the first pitch. He's like, there's no way he's going he's gonna to think that I'm going to swing on the first pitch because that's what Anderson Simmons did, so surely I'm not going to do that. And like the at-bat looked really, really good. And then ah, Cole Calhoun just took a pitch to right center field and ended up getting a double. And um, then uh, Pujols got on third. Um, Luis Renahifo, uh, lined out to Elvis Andrews, made a nice play. Um, and then, uh, Brian Goodwin comes in and singles on a ball right at the middle, just past Elvis's glove and scores another pair of runs. And that's where, um, that's where Mike Miner's day was done. But man, I, I felt like the last start for him, which was, was really rough against the angels. I felt like this is him getting back to his earlier dominance in August. Did you kind of feel the same way, Morgan? Yeah, for sure. Especially those first six innings. He was back to his like quick pace. Just get out there, get out, move on. Um, he, he seemed really strong. I was I almost thought maybe he could go a complete game because of how he seemed to be efficient. He was working really fast. It just seemed like the Angels couldn't, couldn't hit anything that he was throwing. And then that seventh inning just really turned everything around. Um, it, it felt very, like, separate from the rest of the game just because of how quickly everything happened. Um, and kind of unfortunately for Minor because some of those pitches were called things they shouldn't have been called. Um, so that definitely, that sucks to see because that Upton walk really just burns in my brain because, like, you think about, okay, if that was a strikeout, then... You know, the bases probably never would have gotten loaded. Um, maybe they wouldn't have. He wouldn't have faced Calhoun, like, because you could have gotten a double play the next batter. Like, so many things could have happened where that ga- that inning just could have been totally different. So that's definitely very frustrating. Yeah, yeah, it really was. And oh, man, just the way he battled back, just getting that first that first hitter and like having a good early part of the at bat against Cole Calhoun made me think yeah. that he was going to get out of it, but. He didn't, and that's some, sometimes the way baseball go. Um, but the nice thing is we, the Rangers only had to use one um, one relief pitcher in Rafael Montero, who gave up just his, his second uh, home run of the season, and it was a absolute bomb to Mike Trout. And, you know, I feel like just home runs like that Mike Trout hits against you just, like, shouldn't count because, like, yeah, <laughs> it's like an eventuality. Like, it's not like, oh, man, look at this bad thing you did and gave a bomb. Like, no, 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 it's, it's Mike Trout. Also, he was 0 for 3 uh, or 0 for 4 to that point. And uh, Mike Minor did really, really well against him. Um, he was actually getting a lot of the benefit of that on calls against Mike Trout, which is not something that I can say that I've seen a whole lot. Um, but the we had, like, the two ends of the spectrum for, like, offensive capabilities in this game. We had Mike Trout, who is at one end of the spectrum, the greatest offensive baseball player I've ever seen, and then the other end is Jeff Mathis, who basically has like the offensive game of like a poor hitting catcher. And there's just one at bat, like he the things he does defensively with the staff, like 
it's important, and I understand why they saw the value in him. But his defense has dropped off this year, and there was just the one at bat that made me just lose my mind, where he just like bunted it into foul territory, and I think the opposing catcher caught it. I don't even yeah, remember who. It, it because, popped up. Okay, yeah, because I just had a stroke once I saw him bunting <laughs> to try and bunt for a hit. Like it just, it broke my brain. Um, but anyway, that's that's enough Jeff Mathis talk for for today. Uh, we're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the the offensive uh, upside for this game for the Rangers right after this. Hey, guys, it's time to talk about sex. Good sex. You know, remember the days when you were always ready to go when you were a young stud and, you know, it wasn't any any trouble getting it ready for for your partner. Now you can increase your performance and get a little bit extra confidence in bed. Listen up. Bluechew.com. That's like the color blue and chew like what you do. So they're here to help you out with your sex life, make things spicier, make sure you last all the way until the ninth inning, you know, don't want to get pulled out of there with a reliever, you know, you really got to be, make sure you're ready to go. And just like you were back in the young days, this isn't for guys who can't perform any guy who wants a little bit of extra help in the bedroom. You know, this is here for you. It's a, it's a legal performance enhancing drug. So. Blue Chew is prescribed online, ships straight to your door, very discreet package, no in-person doctor visits, I know that's really uncomfortable, no waiting at the pharmacy, also super awkward, you don't want any of that. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. So if this sounds like something you want, Morgan, where can the fine fellows get this stuff? You can visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use the promo code MLB, all you pay is $5 shipping. And that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com with promo code MLB to try it for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring this podcast. So this game was nationally televised, and this is only the second nationally televised game for the Rangers this season. And they are officially 1-1 one one for all of their nationally televised games for the season. That's it. This is all they get is just two. Which, like, I get the Rangers weren't supposed to be, like, that big of a team. And they weren't, they didn't have that high of expectations. But, like, come on. Two nationally televised games? I feel like the Yankees have had, like, days where they had, like, two nationally televised games. It's just, like, come on. I feel like they need to spread the love around. Especially if they would have done it, like, more when the Rangers were, like, winning and stuff and fun. And then just, like, not televise these, these back half of the season games on national TV for people to see, then maybe they would have, like, I don't know, maybe Mike Miner and Lance Lynn will, would get the appropriate amount of love they deserve in the um, Cy Young conversation, which I don't think they will, even though they absolutely deserve it. But the the one thing that, that did stand out to me is Eric Karos, who did uh, the color commentary, called Shinsu Chu one of the best leadoff hitters in baseball. And... I've always thought that for the last like three years when mm-hmm. Chu's just been quietly putting together his like offensive leadoff dominance. And to see someone like on a big stage say that about Chu, it just I don't know, it felt comforting to me. What did you what did you think about Chu? Do you think he's one of the best leadoff hitters in the game? Yeah, I, I love when he's the leadoff um hitters. I sometimes, you know, the Rangers have him bat second and then to Shields first. They kinda switch those around, but um it, there was one point, it, it almost seems like there's a there's a large chunk of time every season that he's played here where 
he he'll lead off and he'll get on no matter what. Um, last year he had that long streak of um getting on base in games. I think it was like fifty something games. Um, yeah, it was like in a row that four, I believe. Yeah, and it just it it wasn't even like he was getting on base once a game. It felt like he was getting off on base in his first plate appearance of each game. Um, he like he can have some of his like down streaks. Like 2014 was rough for him, but since then he's never had a really long stretch of time where it's just been like he's not doing anything. Like he has large chunks of time and sometimes like you said very quietly where he's just like getting on base all the time and he just gets into a rhythm. And so I can definitely see how um he's one of the best leadoff hitters and it's good to see like some of the national broadcasters mention that because it does seem like uh Texas doesn't get its uh fair shot of compliments when they deserve them. Yeah, I mean like we all know where Texas is. Like it's not a it's not a great team. Like they're not like lighting the world on fire. They right. actually it's, this was their 69th loss of the season, which which is nice, but also at the same time, not nice. Um, they're 64 and 69. So they're not like a, a dumpster fire team. Like they, they were really good at the beginning of the season. Like they yeah. were in a playoff spot for a long chunk of time. And a lot of times national broadcasters for any sport. I understand that it's hard to like get in-depth knowledge of like every single team, but like at least pay attention to some of the guys like under the radar. They're like, Hmm, Hey, this Danny Santana guy, they like, but these broadcasters yeah. did a really good job. Like I was actually looking forward to like the national broadcast tonight. Because they like they were on their game. They're like, hey, Danny Santana, like having a career year. Like they knew what important things to talk about. They do about Solak and him possibly taking Rugi's spot and um, the damage that Willie Calhoun has done and um, about Scott Heineman and all these other guys, um, as well as um, uh, Del Pozo, who was a minor league trade. Um, the Rangers had mm-hmm. um, and traded him and he got his first. Uh, MLB decision tonight, so congratulations to Del Pozo. I wish you it would have been a loss, but you know, <sighs> it's fine. Um, things happen. But um, there was also another thing I noticed because um, usually I don't really like national broadcasted games for the Rangers. Because um, usually I, I, the national broadcast they just always irk me at all, no matter how good or bad the Rangers are. It just always seems like they're slightly against them. Um, and I know that sounds like very a, a Rangers fan thing to say is everyone's against them, but there are certain times where you're just kind of like, okay, like they're good this year, give it to them. Like in the years when they've been in the playoffs or in a playoff hunt, but then um, I've I've kind of noticed I like when their national broadcast games are during the week because they have different national broadcasters than they do for like the Fox Sports One games on the weekend or the Sunday ESPN game. Um, I really, I liked the announcers today. I didn't like the audio quality that they had of like the fan noise or whatever was going on with that. Um, but I, I did actually find myself enjoying most of what the broadcasters say, which is again, the, I get that like, it's hard to keep up with every team and like give its fair shot to each, but there are sometimes like, like you said, the Yankees in Boston, they've, I swear there was one, there were two weekends where they were the Sunday game for two weeks in a row. So there's And there were also like the Fox, like they had like a Fox, like both weekends, it was like Fox Saturday yes. and, and ESPN Sunday. And then like, I think whoever has like a, fr- a Friday night game of like MLB Network. Yeah, it was like MLB Network Friday, uh, Fox Saturday and ESPN Sunday, like yeah. two weekends in a row. And it was like, oh, c- come on guys. Like, 
we don't need to watch every single one of these. Like, can... even Yankees fans are, like, tired of it sometimes. Yeah. And you can definitely tell, like, where most of the national broadcast bias leans based on the games they're constantly airing, which are usually, like, Yankees, Red Sox, Dodgers mostly, Cubs, St. Louis. So, like, if the Rangers are playing them on a national broadcast game, that's when I'm kind of like, oh, great, here we go. I'm going to have to listen about the entire other team for the whole time. Yeah, like, even if the Rangers, like, like whoop butt in one of those games, it's like, yeah. oh, well, but do you see what the Yankees, it's like, and for the weekend broadcasters, I get it, because usually those are, like, the more the more big-name guys, like Joe Buck. Like, I mean, Joe Buck ruined us as Rangers fans, like, in 2011. Like, we were just, like, I can't, I can't blame him. Like, I understand how hard it is to be unbiased. And, like, your dad was, like, the voice of the Cardinals. You grew up on, like, Cardinals baseball. Like, I understand. He was also going through some really tough times in his life then um, with, like, uh, hair plug, like, issues and, like, that was, like, really hurting his voice. And so, um, like, I kind of go back and, and give him a little bit of a pass, but it's still like it, it burned us of like, that's like the one legitimate time where like fans could be like, Oh, well he's against our team. Like, no, 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 he actually is like, we, we see it. And like, and reliving that call of the uh, walk-off grand slam that Nelson Cruz had in the 2011 ALCS. That was like very uninspired, um, which even with getting him the benefit of that, like, come on, man, it's the first yeah. walk-off grand slam in the history of postseason baseball. Like give it some oomph. <laughs> give it a little bit of oomph but um yeah i i liked that the rangers like that they were on their stuff and these uh weekday broadcasters because like guys like joe buck who have to cover like 30 different leagues like covering one league and knowing it inside and out is is incredibly hard but like buck does like four different sports i feel like and so that's tough and same with bob costas who does some of the big time uh, mlb network games like he does so many different things like learning the ins and outs of all these leagues is like really tough and some of these guys like uh Karos and I can't remember who the play-by-play guy was tonight and I feel really bad about that um but the FS1 crew did a really good job tonight and we don't really talk about national broadcasters that much in a good light but it's nice to to have one of those nights like tonight but um yeah I want to go into Mike Trout and and back to his absolute like single season dominance they said it was his 43rd home run of the night that he hit tonight it's weird that like it feels like he's hit 60 or something against the Rangers, but it's actually only been 11 home runs, which only 11 is, is still a lot of home runs. And it's tied for the most um, home runs anyone's hit in a season against the, the Rangers slash Senators, which is tied with uh, Mickey Mantle was the only other one to do it. And Trout still got like, I think, uh, four more games to do it against the Rangers or maybe just, maybe just tomorrow. Um, I can't remember if they have another home series against, against the angels, but so far this season, not including tonight's game, he had uh, 17 games against the Rangers where he hit uh, 10 home runs. So now 11 uh, hit 323 on base of 488 and slugged 871, which that's the most he's hit against uh, any team this season, but against the Mariners uh, he's hit eight, and he also has a 500 on base percentage against them and a 1344 OPS as opposed to the Rangers. He got a 1359. So it's like it's bad against everybody because Mike Trout is just absolutely insane. And the stuff he does is not real. And like it's it's kind of angering that the Rangers have to play him like 15 or however many times a year. I think it's 19. Um, but also it's it's a little bit fun as just a baseball fan to see 
one of the greatest players of all time play so many games. I just wish she would like not be as good against the Rangers. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Um, there, there was a before he hit the home run. Part of me was like, oh, may, maybe the Rangers have figured Mike Trout out. He hasn't been <laughs> like totally crushing us the last few times we played him. And then he hits the home run, and of course you can't really be surprised by it. It's Mike Trout. He's gonna hit a home run against you eventually. Um, which I think there's like there's a difference between like when Chris Davis hits all the home runs against the Rangers, and then when Mike Trout does it, because like. When Mike Trout does it, he does it against mostly everyone. So it's not really that much of a surprise. It doesn't feel like it's a personal attack on the Rangers when he does it. Um, and he, he's such a, like you said, he's a good player. He's he's fun to watch. Um, kind of, He's kind of hard to hate, even though he's on a division rival team. Yeah. Yeah, he is. Just because he's such a... He's such an interesting guy, and he's such a good guy. And all he cares about is like just playing baseball and the weather. And yeah. like, and like, how do, he's he's kind of a dork, like in a good way. And like, yeah. I, I can't, I can't hate that. Like, good for you, Mike Trout. Just go enjoy the weather, weather, and being really stinking good at baseball. I can't hate you for that. Also, Andrew Heaney was also really stinking good at baseball tonight. He gave up one unearned run in six innings and struck out ten Rangers. Like, he just did this a week ago. And what I didn't realize that the broadcast brought up today is that the game where he just absolutely went out there and shoved, that was the makeup game for um, the day that that Skaggs passed away. Like, I didn't realize that the day of, but, and the fact that he was the one to get to pitch it and that he had probably his best career game is just another something special about that. But I'm glad that that the team seem to be moving on and, and dealing with it as best they can. I also think it's really cool how they keep Tyler Skaggs jersey in their dugout and have the patches on their season their um on their hats or their uniforms like all season. I think that's really special remembering him like that. Um Morgan, is there any other last takeaways from from this game before we, we head into our our final late night recording tomorrow <laughs> after um, a uh, West Coast game? That's my takeaway. Also, this game was fairly quick. I don't think it quite hit the three-hour mark, so that was also very nice to see. Um, 248. Hopefully tomorrow will be similar. Maybe a different outcome would be nicer. Um, But yeah, last West Coast game that we have to record after. It's going to be nice. Gosh, what a blessing. Man, (laughs) we've come so far from those that first like month where it felt like Every, Every other day. week was like a West Coast trip, and man, look, look, Molly made it. She finally <laughs> made it. Make sure you subscribe to us on uh, wherever you get your podcasts on uh, Stitcher or uh, Spotify or or iTunes. Uh, make sure that you're following us on Twitter at Morgan Price at Bryce Patrick at Locked On Rangers. We really do appreciate your support. I'm Bryce Patrick. I'm Morgan Price. And hashtag Together We Pod. <laughs>